Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. You're fantastic at coding, but do you have an action plan to take it to the next level? The upcoming book, Next Level Freelance, will help you optimize your freelance business for happiness. The book is packed with actionable steps to make more money, case studies, tips to find more clients, and exercises for you to establish your desired lifestyle. Extras include nine interviews with freelancers who make great money while enjoying great work-life balance, videos on strategies to find quality subcontractors, and videos on making more free time by outsourcing your daily tasks. Check it out today, nextlevelfreelance.com. This episode is sponsored by PlanScope. PlanScope is a project management and collaboration app built for freelancers and the way they work with clients. It makes it easy to price out new estimates and once you're underway, help answer the question, will this get done on time and under budget? I've been using PlanScope to do my estimates and manage my projects and I really, really like it. It makes it really easy to keep things in order and understand when things will get done. You can go check it out at PlanScope.io. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 93 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel we have Reuven Lerner. Hello. Jim Gay. Howdy. Eric Davis. Hey. Curtis McHale. G'day. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we're going to be talking about the benefits or pros and I guess the cons of being freelance. So I guess there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot I like about freelancing. What about you I guys? I do, do you get benefits with your job? I, I yeah, I pay benefits. for them myself. <laughs> right, exactly. Is that a con, I guess? <laughs> Maybe, Yeah. Yeah. My employer is my employer is very generous with benefits, so <laughs> Yeah, my I'm employer not. just got me a new backpack. That was very expensive. Oh nice. But the paperwork he puts me through is just killer. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess one of the cons, speaking of benefits, is that uh, some country's president pushed through a bill that changed the way that insurance works, so now I have to go and actually figure out what I want to do with my insurance. Uh yes. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and I have to do it by well. the 23rd <laughs> so that I have coverage on the 1st of January. Because knowing my luck, if I don't, something will happen to me on the 1st of January. <laughs> yeah, you know, for that, uh, we've got a financial advisor that helps us sort of coordinate how we're spending money and how we're getting benefits and stuff. And I have been blissfully unaware of like any of the changes with the way healthcare is set up in the U.S. And I'm just kind of waiting for the ball to drop where like I get a call and he says to me, Hey, by the way, the plan you have, you can't have anymore, but that hasn't happened. So I honestly have spent zero time thinking about it and I consider myself very fortunate for that. So I don't know if he's already got something covered for us and we're going to switch or if what I have is still good or what, but so I can say that that's one of the benefits of having a good financial advisor who takes care of that stuff for me. I know uh, there are probably companies who are out there, I guess maybe not in, in our like high tech industry. It might not be that big of a deal, but I know some people, you know, companies are dropping their health insurance um, or just making major changes. So for me, I can say one of the benefits is I'm currently lucky enough to be set up that I don't foresee a change. Yeah, I, it's it's kind of a U.S. centric issue. The you know changes with the the healthcare system here in the U.S. But I, I think in general the kind of the pro that you pointed out was that you can have as much control or involvement as you want. So you can pay somebody else to deal with it, or you can deal with it yourself. Um, most of the time, if you're in an employed situation, you just kind of stuck with whatever they have. Yeah, though I guess it's it's different. So I remember when my wife and I were both employed. 
we would always balance like, well, should we each get our own plan or should we just go with your plan? Um, so there are some benefits there when, you know, you have a spouse who's employed who also has benefits. But then on the other side, you know, like right now, my wife is not employed aside from the work that she does from for our company. So th- that option is just gone. So it's, it's, you know, we have a lot of control, but all the weight is on, on our shoulders for figuring out the right thing and balancing, you know, the monthly costs versus deductibles and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah, and like I deal with that in Canada as well. While we have free health care, anything extended like prescriptions or glasses or some other elective things are not covered. And we have to deal with that as well. And we're looking at that for next year because my wife, we used her benefits until partway through this year. And now she is uh, home with the kid full time and just does a few hours a week for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, and that's one thing that I think is a, a pro for me is that, you know, I'm home all day with my wife <laughs> um, and kids. Now I'm usually in my office during the day, but I can go down and be with them. Lunch with the kid, right? Opening the Lego calendar this morning. Hey, daddy, let's do this. All right. We'll go open the Lego calendar and build it for her advent calendar. That's certainly one of the perks for me and why I wanted to freelance even before we had kids was the intent of being able to do a field trip on Friday. I went to see Santa on Friday as well. I started freelancing before I was married, before I had kids. And so it's been just a sort of natural for me to be able to spend time with my wife, be able to spend time with my children on my schedule or however I want to do it. And thinking back, looking back, I, it's hard. Even if I work ridiculously hard running my own business and doing my own consulting, the fact that I have that sort of flexibility to decide when I'm going to be with them and when I'm not, uh, I, I see it's just a, it's an amazing gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even inside that, like I stick to the general nine to five hours, right? It's, Generally, when I'm in the office, I just take a long lunch often, or and they usually take Fridays off anyway, so going to the field trip was not a big deal. Actually, this is a good point to contrast with what, I don't know if everybody saw the stuff that Microsoft was pushing and how 37 Signals jumped on top of it, but it's basically Microsoft did this ad, this sort of like infographic about where people work, and their whole pitch was, you know, if you use Microsoft products, you can get more done in the day because, well, you can check your work mail or do whatever you got to do while you're brushing your teeth. And if you're out at your kid's baseball game, then you can, you know, stay on top of what's happening in work while you're off doing that. And when I first saw that, I thought it was a joke. I didn't think it was actually real. And then 37 Signals came out with their criticism of it you know, basically saying how this is awful. Like we should be encouraging employees to take their time and go do the things they love and not be tied to their tablets and their phones and whatnot. And um, I think it was just like the perfect storm for 37 Signals to promote their remote book, Mm -hmm. uh, which I haven't read. But, you know, being a freelancer and you do have that control, I think it's a mindset that if whether or not you're an employee or you're a a freelancer, you have to have the mindset where you're going to shut off and do the things that, you know, are part of regular life. <laughs> um, and sometimes that can be hard, but you could be in a situation where you're an employee somewhere and because you feel pressure to get things done all the time, you find yourself checking email or, you know, filling out a spreadsheet when you should be uh, watching somebody's uh, karate lesson or something like that. And I find, like, you even get that pressure from clients. I had my most recent client was like that on Friday when I was at the field trip, and I told them I don't normally do things on Friday. I had a message by, like, noon and three emails before noon saying, hey, where are you? Are you not working today? And my answer wrote back was, nope, I was on a field trip. That was more important, and that's all he got till Monday. So we have to set establish that 
with our clients too, right? And that can be one of the drawbacks when you have the expectations. We just get to say no if we don't want, right? And I could not work with him anymore if I don't want to. Yeah, I think you have some of the same flexibility. It's not as clear that you have that option as an employee. I mean, you can quit and go work for somebody else. And like we talked with Dan Miller, right? If that client says, fine, I'm not working with you, you go, oh, okay. And go find, you know, or keep working on my other client work. Whereas when you're an employee and you say, no, I'm not going to do that. And they say, well, you're fired. You say, okay, I have no job now. Yeah. The, the, the thing is, is that you kind of, it's kind of implied that you have the flexibility as a freelancer. You know, you can, you can go find another client and, and it's kind of expected that you're sort of out there looking while you're working for them. And, uh, you know, as an employee, it's, it's the other way. The expectation is that you are definitely not looking. So I think it's just a paradigm between the two, really, because I, I guess what I'm trying to say is if you're in a job that you don't like, you can quit and you can go find another job. Um, the process is a little bit different, but ultimately you still have the option. Absolutely. A- a- absolutely. Uh, I mean, one of, one of my clients is a big government defense contractor in Israel and, uh, when I first went there, I was sort of amazed to see that just like any big government bureaucracy, uh, or sort of old school place, they are there from nine to five or eight to four and their exact hours that they are allowed to be there and supposed to be there. And someone told me that, that basically they are measured by how many hours they are there, not by the quality of work. And there was someone who said, well, you know, I really want to spend more time with my kids and one of them is a bit ill and I need to do it with them. So can I work maybe 20 hours a week? And apparently this guy was, a genius. And they said, no, we, we really don't care about your productivity. We care that you're here 40 hours a week. And so he went off and, and found a place that was willing to accommodate him. And granted, that's a, an employee rather than a freelancer. But I think it's a very healthy attitude to have that you can and should set your own priorities and then build your, your fi- find work according to that, whether it's a full-time job or whether it's a freelancing job. And, you know, really my, my children, I think, sort of take it for granted that on the one hand, again, I'm, I, I work hard and I spend Many hours of my work. On the other time, on the other hand, I'm spending fewer hours away from them than I would if I worked in some sort of high tech company. And I can spend time with them when they need, whether it's reading stories to them when they go to sleep, or helping them with homework, or going to school things. And if you're picking your clients right, they'll understand the flexibility, right? In the middle of the summer, when my wife was first pregnant, we had a number of complications with the pregnancy, and I just was emailing my clients and say, "I'm sorry, I made other priorities this week, and you weren't it, and mm-hmm. here's why." and all of my clients said, that's fine. I expect you to make those priority changes. Whereas again, with the, you know, the government contractor, they said, forget it. Or the government job, right? Right, right. Absolutely. The flip side though is that if all they care about is that you showed up for so many hours, I mean, sometimes you don't feel good. You know, you're not with it. I also know some uh, contractors that just don't do terrific work. And so, I mean, if you, if you go out and you just show up, at a lot of these jobs, you, you can skate by. And with, <laughs> my, with my clients, it's just, you know, I, I've seen people skate by, you know, for a while and then they fire them and hire me because they want results. They don't want somebody who's just skating by. And so. <laughs> so that's maybe this, one of the cons. You can't skate by. You yeah. are judged on what you output, right? Absolutely. So it even absolutely. though I charge weekly, I, I want to provide value. So last week I, just didn't provide value on one day. And I told the client at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? I didn't provide value. You have an extra day on Monday. Cause I didn't, and it wasn't based on hours necessarily. I don't even look at that. It was, I looked at what I really produced that day and how effective I was. And I wasn't, it, I wasn't worth the money that day. And so we extended it to give him a good day of value. Well, he, he must've been so impressed by that. Cause 
I can't remember anyone ever said something like that to me, uh, sort of whom I had hired. And if they had, I would immediately want to work with them more because it, it just sort of oozes uh, respect. And I, like at, at a certain level, it is just a good business decision, but I, I want to provide value. And if I'm not, then you should find someone else who is for you, really. Like, and I may not provide value for some clients just because we're incompatible. And I hate that, you know, I just don't like working with them. Not that they're bad people, but I just don't like working with them. So I'm not focused and I don't want to do it. And, you know, we should help them find someone else, as we talked about in the bad projects. Right. Yep. Chuck, I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll just add that uh, what, uh, my first job after college was at HP. And there we didn't have vacation time or sick time. We had what's called flexible time off. I don't know if they still do this because this was 20 years ago. And so you had like three weeks of combination vacation and sick time. And people would just drag themselves into work with the most horrible colds because they didn't want to lose vacation time. Whereas right nowadays, if I'm not feeling well, I say to my clients, okay, I, I've got to be in bed. I'll be back when I can. And they're always very understanding and respectful of that. So what's flexible time as opposed to sick time and vacation time? Be- because you had three weeks a year. You could take three weeks of vacation or be sick for three weeks. It was sort of oh. mutually exclusive. So <laughs> so if you were very sick one year, well, we're sorry, but that vacation time is gone. So you just have a pool of time off, and it doesn't matter That's if you right. take it for sick or vacation. Yeah, That's versus right. like PTO and all that where someone has to accrue time or like, you know, they'll say they're sick, but they're actually taking a longer vacation. It just it kind of makes it so it's like we don't care. You, we just know you're not going to be here for X many weeks, you know, if you're sick or not. I think it was Dilbert that said that uh, sick days are just vacation days with sound effects. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's definitely nice. And, and you know, it, it, the same goes for, like, when you're burnt out and things like that. You know, I've done that, too, where it's, hey, I just need a day. You know, sometimes it's, hey, I need a day, and I tell my wife, hey, I need a day, and I just disappear for a day. But, you know, just, just to go and recharge, just go find some quiet place somewhere. But, you know, you can do that. You can totally do that. And it's it's so nice. There's the alternative to that, which is because my wife is a full-time caregiver at home, sometimes she needs a day. And the flexibility for me to say, you know, just go take care of yourself. I'll, um, you know, pick up the slack that you need to leave. I'll go, you know, run the errands. I'll take care of the kids. Go do whatever you got to do is awesome and and would be extremely difficult to to do if you were employed somewhere and you had that you know bucket of time off so the flexibility to say you know what i don't need the day but my wife does um it's awesome being able to say that jim i think that's a really really great point my my wife uh was doing uh she was doing a contract until recently and left that um and she just got a job offer and basically she said to me well i'd love to take this job but it means that um, you know you're going to have to do x and y and z with the kids on the following days I said, okay, you know, that, that's fine. And if I had any sort of full-time job, that would just be impossible. And I've even found, like when I was on full-time but working from home, that that was much harder. Although there was lots of professed flexibility, it certainly did not come down to that. It was more about uh, butts and seats is what it seemed like to me anyways. And getting away from the flexibility and the reason I would take a long-term freelance contract but not like an employee-style contract is for the freedom. Yeah, I think that's part of the struggle that I've had with some of the employee style is that you lose some of the flexibility and also because, I mean, I really like projects where they don't necessarily have to be uh, projects that are brand new applications, 
but they have to be interesting and they can't be like ginormous applications that I have to figure out and, and you know. I mean, if I if I build the ginormous application, it's different. But I guess what I'm trying to say is I can pick the contracts that kind of fit me and fit what I want. And it's so awesome just to be able to go, okay, well, this isn't a good fit and things like that. I was also thinking that back to the sick days and vacation days, the downside to that is you don't get paid for them, right? You have to work extra. I spent the last month working lots extra so that I could be off for the baby coming up in January. And that was all time that I had to make as opposed to and just getting time off. That's true. That, that's definitely... Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's, it's a negative. It's something that I've just sort of gotten used to over the years. But every so often I do think to myself, wow, these people on vacation or these people have gone off and they're still paid for by their employer. Uh, but then I actually have to deal with their employers who are clients and their bureaucracy and rules. And I think... I mean, it's just, just yesterday I was fighting with a client, a large international corporation whose initials are H&P, about getting, uh, getting paid for something. And uh, a friend of mine was over as I was arguing with them. And he said, think of it this way. You don't have to deal with them every single day. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's, like, that's a good point. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, and really that's like if you're structuring your business properly, then you build in you know, weeks off, right? Or months, yeah. Or months, yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm essentially winding down now till the middle of February where I start, we'll start taking more client work then. Well, one, one other thing that I've noticed with, like, Eric and I think Jim's done a little of this is that you take the time off and you go build a product or something. You know, you go to write a book or you you do something like that. And the, the thing that's interesting to me about that is that, you know, you take the time off and then you effectively create a new revenue stream. And then you can actually take that revenue and offset some of the consulting costs and then you reduce the risk that you have because people are paying you in other ways for other things. Yeah. Right. When I say I'm off, I'm actually got one plugin that's mostly built, one plugin I've got a skeleton for, and then a course that's mostly written as well that I'd love to have done by the end of January before the baby comes. So I am off in huge air quotes. Well, the nice thing about if you have products or other streams of income is when you take those sick days, you can, you're still in a way making money. You know, it might not be as much and it's probably not going to be as much as you're freelancing, but. Um, the last two books, literally the weeks I launched them, my daughter got sick. So I'm kind of thinking every time I launch a product, my daughter's going to get sick from now on. But, you know, I was basically watching her full time, kind of on the iPad to check email and that stuff. But I was still, quote, making money because of I did all the work, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months ahead of time. So that's it's a nice thing for especially if you have a slow time. You know, if you're right now, it's the holidays in the U.S. So things are slowed down, you know, across the board. So if you took some time to make a product now, that can pay you back, you know, beginning of next year. Yep. One other thing I really like about freelancing is I get to meet a lot of interesting people. It seems like it's freed me up to be able to travel to conferences. You know, I've been doing the podcasts and I can make time for that because my time is mine. And I really get to, uh, you know, just connect with people. And all of it ties back into what I'm doing and what I'm interested in because that's what my business centers around. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I so enjoy getting to meet new people from different companies, hear their different ideas, their different business ideas. Um, I, f- I find it refreshing and challenging. And I, mean, I think I've mentioned this before, but my kids, I had to tell my kids at some point that most, you know, most grownups go to the same people in the same office every day. And they were amazed by this. But when I think about it, I'm sort of amazed by it because wonderful as the people in your office might be, it's the same people all the time. In, in fact, a friend of mine years ago, and I'm remembering this when I was in college, 
he said, so lawyers, you know, lawyers sit in offices and do a lot of research, and yet they are not considered antisocial, but programmers who sit in offices and do their work are considered antisocial. How is that possible? And he said the difference is that most programmers don't interact with new and different people every day, whereas at least the assumption is that lawyers are, they're dealing with different clients. And so I feel like, you know, I've sort of broken out of that mold to some degree, and I'm meeting new people all the time, and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. One other thing that I've taken advantage of with the business is if I want a new toy, and it's at all related to what I'm doing, I buy it. And I get the tax <laughs> tax write-off discount. Yeah, that's very nice. And you can kind of do that if you have a business, like a site business as an, as an employee, but it's a little bit different game there, I think. Yeah, it's a lot different. If you could get reclassified as a hobby and then that tax write-off and all the past ones get undone and you have to pay backpacks, back taxes, penalties, all that. It's hard to do it part-time. Yeah. Any other pluses, things that you like, things that make you happy? Control. Like I can, you know, if I want to work on Rails, I can pick up a Rails project. If I want to work on JavaScript, I can look for a JavaScript project. So I kind of have a lot more control over my career and where I'm going in the next five years, what I want to do, all that stuff. Yeah, I can definitely say that I have had better traction moving into different areas and not so much different programming languages. But, you know, when I was an employee, I was just a cog in the machine and it's much easier to have discussions with clients about the important aspects of their business and show them that you care about more than just pushing code. You care more about their bottom line, about their effectiveness, all that kind of stuff. And, and it's much easier to say, you know, I can help you grow your team when you are a contractor rather than when you're an employee, you could go to your manager and say, hey, I can help you grow their team, your team. And they'll say, yeah, we need you to just go back to your desk and continue doing your work. So it's a lot easier to take a position where you can help think about different ideas rather than just, you know, we've got to fix this bug or we've got to add this feature. You can, I've found I can get to a broader level of what's important for the organization or what's important for the development of the employees that my clients already have, uh, some of the projects I've been hired for has been to do specifically that. Yeah, I'll look at code and I'll write code, but I'm helping them grow their team to a, a place where they need to be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you have so much more pull, right? Because you're the yeah. expert. Yeah, exactly, because they're paying you for your opinion and your your advice and thoughts. So that they actually will spend the time to listen to what you have to say and consider it. They, they might still disagree, but at least, you know, they give you the option. Right. It's also, it's also nice that, you know, it's, it's happened to me on several occasions where I've come in and they've asked me my opinion and I say, and one of them will turn to the other and say, well, that's what I said. But of course, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm laughing because you know, it happens to me all the time. Right, right. Because like, as the outside expert, you get additional weight just by nature of being outside the game. And so, you know, they might have been able to reach the same conclusion without you, but, well, you got paid for, you know, as Jim said, voicing your opinion. And I've used that to help out the internal team before. I know there was one I was on, and I was asked about the deployment process to the program, and he's like, I've been asking them for this for the how long? And I was like, well, how do you want it set up then? And he told me, and I wrote it down, and I sent an email and said, hey, why don't we have this? This is dumb. 
<laughs> and I could, because they were paying me, they said, oh, yeah, we've been thinking about it. I was like, well, we need to do it. That's the next step in the project. Everything's on hold until we get this done. So it's easy to deploy. And he's like, oh, okay. And then I, and I got the email back and I said, hey, let's set this up now. And we had it set up in like the next day. And he was like, I've been trying that for months. I have the advantage and I will use it for you to help, you know, help integrate into the team as well. So I'll say another advantage um, is, you know, p- people expect you to have these opinions based on knowledge. And so they expect you to be constantly educating yourself and improving yourself. And so I, I love that part of it. I love the fact that in order to succeed at my job, I have to constantly be teaching myself more. I have to be pushing myself, have to be learning new things. And so I, I happily embrace that and enjoy it. Cause I see also in some of these companies, people just don't have the time. They're, they're being asked to do so much that they don't, they're not given a chance to really learn the skills that they need. Yeah. And you have to remember to build that in to your schedule, just like vacation time or sick time to your right time for training as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. One other thing that I've really enjoyed about freelancing with a few exceptions. And even while these were the longer contracts were going on is that I, I tend to be able to move from one project to another. And so I get the different challenges that come with the different projects, which is sort of related to the training aspect, except it's actually, I'm getting paid to, to do something interesting. And, um, when the project is no longer interesting, then, you know, I, I do the best I can for the client, either by helping them find somebody who is, you know, interested in it, or, you know, I'll keep working on it for a while while we figure something out. But yeah, I mean, I, I get to move on to something else if I, I get tired or bored with whatever it is. Now, usually I wind up completing the project before that happens, but I have had one or two where I'm just like, you know, I, I get a little bit done with it and, and so I do the best I can and leave. But I have that option. And a lot of times I have other contracts at the same time. And so by leaving, I'm not like quitting my one source of, of income. You know, I, I have the others to fall back on while I, I figure things out. Right. We've, we've talked about that a little bit in previous episodes also, where having the multiple clients, um, you know, the multiple income streams means that you're actually in many ways in a stronger position than someone who works for a company. And I, I like that because, you know, the idea of nowadays, at least the idea of having one company responsible for my entire paycheck, when even the biggest and most stable of companies have mass layoffs on occasion. So I, I like the fact that, you know, I, I don't have to worry about that as much. Yep. One other thing that I think is funny is I tease my wife sometimes about going and getting a job, like me going and getting a job, not her. And she's always like, please don't. And when we, when we first, uh, when I first went freelance, you know, I got laid off and I was trying to find a job and I was freelancing. She was terrified and, you know, please find a job. And yeah, now it's, well, what would I do? Because if I have to run errands, then I have to take all the kids everywhere. And if I need this or need that, or I need to disappear for an hour, you know, I can't. And, you know, it, it makes a big difference for my family too. It's not just perks for me. That's so true. And I'm really wondering if, you know, remote work is, is going to take off. For years, people have been saying, you know, g- giving employees more opportunity to work from home, at least on a broad scale. I'm sure there are small companies that allow that kind of stuff to happen. But, you know, if I was an employee somewhere and I worked where I could say, hey, I- I'm going to be offline because my wife's got to go run an, run an errand. And everyone said, oh, no problem. That would be fantastic. But I'm pretty sure that's that's rare. And, and, you know, the, the need that I have, I have a bunch of small kids and they need to go back and forth with school or a doctor or something like that. It would happen pretty often for me that I need to take 45 minutes here or an hour and a half there. And I'm sure 
a regular old employer would balk at the idea that I would shift my schedule around on a whim like that. So it's a major benefit being able to be at home and, and do those things. But I, I don't know. I'm really, I hope that employees will be able to do that on a broader scale because I think people will just be happier. I think probably the cost of living w- won't factor into it as much. Like if you don't have to be in someone's office and you can be far away and still be productive, then all the better. But for now, freelancing really definitely wins out on that side. Yeah, otherwise, like, I remember trying to squeeze appointments for my teeth or something into lunch, right? Then missing lunch at the same time and basically running all day to get it done. And now I just, uh, I guess I'm taking the morning off to get my teeth cleaned because I'm just not going to bother rushing around instead. Definitely. Yeah, in fact, I have been working out regularly for the last maybe four months or so. Lost weight, put on muscle, much more in shape. And that was always so hard for me. We had young kids and I was, you know, going to client sites and uh, commuting into different places. And that tends to be just the nature of, you know, like, what have I negotiated? Have I, have I gotten the flexibility to be at home? But I find the times when I'm at home, I'm just so much happier. I'm more productive. But, you know, when I have to sit on a bus or train or something to get somewhere, then my health deteriorates and I'm going to be you know, less effective doing what I need to do. And maybe I'm not going to be happy because I'll, you know, miss things or I'll rush home to make dinner. It's just so much better. (laughs) Yeah. The thing is, is that there's also the flip side to that, right? Where, and this is something for me lately is I haven't been able to go work out and I haven't been able to go and, and do a lot of the things that I want to. And it's because I overbooked myself and, uh, you know, that's pretty easy to do as a freelancer is kind of get sucked into that working too much trap or, you know, just uh, working too much period and not taking care of the things that really are important. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so I, I know it sounds like most everyone here has a bunch of clients at once. I tend to try to get just one client. I used to juggle multiple clients and I found I was pretty bad at that. At least at that time, I haven't tried it in a while, but I, I like to find, you know, clients who will give me work for almost a full week and for several months at a time. And then I'm good. So I tend to avoid, you know, overworking myself just by putting my, you know, all my eggs in one basket for a short time. I can see different ways of mitigating that risk and I could be okay with that. But, uh, yeah, for me, it's, it's kind of nice to have different things that I can switch off to, but yeah, you do then have to play the game of, am I, you know, am I doing the right things? Am I doing the right thing right now? I always found when I juggled multiple larger projects at a time that I ended up in a often, and it's probably my own fault, ended up in like whatever client was most annoyed. That's the one I was working on at that exact minute to get them not annoyed. And now that I do weekly and take basically one project at a time. I don't do that. And when I have a, a client that has a small fix that's just a couple hours, I tell them, you know, I can do it this week and I can only usually do one of those a week. So it's a much calmer, saner pace than booking out for three and four or five weeks at a time now uh, on my weekly schedules. Yeah. Yep. We, we all have the flexibility, though, to work things out the way that work, works for us. Yeah. And one of the hardest things probably, and we, we've done a few episodes on this, is learning to say no, though, right? When you don't learn to say no, you get stuck in this. I have way too many things to do. And I've totally been stuck there. I am sure I will be stuck there again because I will think, oh, I can totally do this one little extra thing. And and then it'll be months later and I'll be stressed out. Right. But it it also means you have the flexibility, you know, if and when you want to to try. So I've never really tried the whole weekly thing. 
And I've increasingly thought to myself, you know, maybe, maybe I'll try that at some point. I'll just set up some week and I'll work on a project for someone for a week and I'll see how it is. And if it's great, then terrific, I'll continue. And if not, then it was an experiment. But I have that power to, uh, to, to try it out. I'm not forced in any one box. Yep. So what about the cons? <laughs> We've talked about some of them. Are there things about freelancing that just make you crazy? Um, Clients. <laughs> can't live with them can't shoot them i was gonna say there's actually some like having that amount of flexibility at least for me well i've got four kids my youngest is one and a half and the oldest is going to be seven soon and having the flexibility can sometimes lead to more interruptions than really make a lot of sense for the business so it's really easy to say, oh, well, you know, you're home, so I, I have to go do this thing, or I scheduled it during this period. So I definitely have to balance figuring out what my home schedule is and what the needs are there with my work schedule. So if somebody asks me, hey, can you do a, a conference call, you know, on Tuesday at three o'clock, I have to think a lot about, okay, well, what do I have at home? You know, I'm not just going to a job and checking out and doing my stuff for the day and then coming home. So it actually makes scheduling a little bit more tricky. It's great because it's flexible, but I also have to do a lot more thinking about what are the needs of my family and that type of thing. So that's actually sort of a downside. Yeah, and for us, when my fir- when my wife was pregnant with our first, I remember probably the third day she was off from maternity leave, she came into my office again and I turned around and handed her $20 to leave. Like, just leave. You cannot come in here every 15 minutes. I have to work still. And she looked at me, oh, okay. And since then, like, you know, it was, she was just initially home at first, right? And we worked it out over the next couple of weeks, how it would work, and with the new baby as well. But like any of the good things that we said, you can take the time. Taking too much time means you don't have any money. So you need to be dedicated and uh, disciplined as well, which can be hard. And even my daughter now, like, I'll... I'll suddenly hear something through my headphones and I'll look and there's a picture sliding under the door, which is really cute. But when I've got like six pictures there already, I'm, what am I supposed to do? I'm trying to work. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you explain that to a three-year-old? Daddy doesn't like your pictures. Oh, great. I'm going to cry. And that doesn't help the situation either. <laughs> yeah, my... My uh, six-year-old daughter will do that. She'll come in here and she'll put a picture in here. And yeah, I've got I've got clutter all over my desk, and some of it's mine, and some of my, it's my wife's, and some of it's stuff my kids have left for me. And uh, you know, there's no custodial crew that comes in here, so when it when it gets bad, I I'm the one that has to clean it up. Yeah, there's a con. My my home office has become the the house junkyard. It's like, oh, we don't know what to do with this. Why don't we just put it in the office? Yeah, that's my bedroom. <laughs> Same problem, different couch. And the other cons you have to deal with is, you know, when you get into a, a project and the client doesn't pay, you have to oh, chase that yeah. down and decide. I've had, I don't work with lawyers anymore because I've had two. And as soon as the project didn't go exactly how they felt like it because of, you know, one, one, it was a strict technical limitation. I was like, we can't do it. There's no way. They're like, okay, well, I'm going to sue you unless you give me all my money back. And it wasn't very much really, but it was enough that, and I can't fight them on that, right? It's like a, someone trying to fight us on programming. I, it's I can just program, that's fine, but I have to. They have to pay someone to do that, and I have to pay a lawyer. So that was certainly in my fledgling business two times when I just said, "Okay, I'm not working for lawyers anymore." So what did you do? I'm kind of curious now. Honestly, it was a thousand dollars, which was certainly at the time it was a lot. I remember looking at it and looking at Cynthia and being like, 
who's my wife and saying, I just like, I, I can get this money out of my bank account, but we're going to be pretty tight. And she said, well, can we be sued? Nope. And I just said, forget it. And luckily I have them. I have the personality once I've just made the decision to just let it go and it stopped stressing me out. And I sent them a thousand dollars and said, fine, take it. And then they asked me for a bunch of other stuff. And I said, no, like you said, you don't want to work with me anymore. I gave you all the code. I'm not, you have all the passwords. So I know when I talked to other lawyers, they were like, well, I think that they're using their position and they could probably be disbarred, but I don't have the time, the patience. And on top of costing me money, think of all the like satisfaction in life it would cost me. And so I just said, forget it. And the same thing with the second lawyer. They said, you're dragging your feet all the time. Why is this? And I'm like, you change scope every other day. And they're like, no, we're going to sue you, I think. And I said, well, great. Yeah, the collection issue is something that I'm a little worried I'm going to have to deal with. With that uh, client that we talked about a couple of weeks ago that wasn't very happy. And that, that for me is just, are they going to pay me? Yeah, so that's something. I mean, that's one of the other things I've loved about Weekly is that I don't have to worry about that as much. Theoretically, I'm only ever at... You know, my weekly rate, which currently is 3000 a week. So it's, and it's still $3,000. It's way more than that other thousand I was sweating before, but it's only one chunk, right? And if it's not paid on like Monday of the next week, then I'm not just not working for the clients anymore until they've paid. And mm-hmm. so, so that's definitely a downer. <laughs> you have to deal with collecting or not, co- not being able to collect. Or if they're international, they're harder to collect. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a problem that I've encountered where. I mean, I deal with clients who are not in Israel. Well, I mean, it, it can also be hard to collect from clients locally in Israel, but at least it's less difficult. But even the best contract that states all sorts of things about international and where, you know, where the jurisdiction is, I mean, right, you're basically not going to be able to go after them in any serious way. Yep. Yeah, and for me, like 80% of my clients are in the U.S. 90? I think actually if I looked at it, 90% of my income came from the U.S., in the last quarter out of, I think it's like 1% of my income was from Canadian clients. So I, yeah, which is another weekly has been great because I can just say I'm not working for you anymore and I'm only out that one chunk as opposed to, you know, three or four weeks or 50% of a ten dollars or $20,000 project. Right, absolutely. I think one of the biggest cons, and it's not just with freelancing, but it's any business, is you don't really have anyone to tell you what to do. Like if you say you don't have clients, you don't know how to get clients, you don't have a boss that tells you go on social media or go write a blog post. Like You actually have to be a self-starter and go and do stuff and try stuff yourself. And for some people, that works great. And for others, it doesn't. And I, I, from what I understand, that's probably like one of the top reasons why people start freelancing and then stop. It's just that not having the ability to kind of come up with an idea and chase it down um, is kind of like the big thing. Right, right. I mean, you're basically, I, I can't remember exactly how someone phrased it recently, but, you know, if you're working for, let's say, a high-tech company, so you're in charge of doing your thing, and whether that's programming or marketing or managing or whatever, that's the thing you're, you're in charge of doing. But obviously, when you're freelancing, you've got to do it all, and you've got to do it well enough to support yourself. And that's, you know, that, that can be a lot to do. And it's certainly a lot to learn quickly as you're starting up, especially at the beginning. Um, yeah, I often, like most of the work that I do is pretty much separated from, you know, my wife. Like she helps with the business, but she doesn't tend to get involved in day-to-day stuff. And sometimes when times are particularly stressful or if we happen to need, you know, a, a lot of my help at home and I can't devote time to work, 
that really weighs on me. And so periodically I have to like just sort of go to my wife and give her an update. Like, you know, I'm really stressed out. This kind of stuff is happening. And with four young kids that that's hard to come by, like those moments uh, are rare. So I have to go out of my way and make an effort and be like, hey, by the way, the last three days have been really, really crazy, and uh, I need your help. Um, so there's there's a balance there. Yeah, I've done that a few times with my wife, too. I'm just like, she doesn't usually get involved hardly at all, and we we don't even talk much about the business unless there's some kind of problem. But yeah, it's nice to be able to just go and talk to her, but the flip side is, is that sometimes it's nice to have somebody else that you work with that you can identify with because they're in the same boat. You know, they work on the same team, they deal with the same jerk boss, or the same good boss and the same jerk somebody else. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's certainly a detriment, right? Not having the team around. That's one of the things that I miss regularly. And uh, there was one, we actually started a hip chat room for WordPress freelancers. So I have kind of a group of other people to chat with in and out about clients and any, everything else throughout the day. So and even our podcast Skype room, we often chat back and forth throughout the day about things, which helps kind of give you the impression that you do have a team to rely on or other people around. Right, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely much easier nowadays with all these different sort of chat rooms and possibilities and groups to be a part of online from working from home. You know, back back when I back when I started freelancing in the Mesozoic era, we didn't have such things, and it definitely <laughs> felt a little, uh, you know, it, it felt a little lonely. Do you still have your tablet chisel for sending messages? <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Well, I don't know if I have any other questions or anything else to add. Do you guys have any other pros or cons that you want to bring up? The other thing I was also thinking is keeping your expenses under control is all up to you, right? I like if you end up spending tons of money on software, it's you that did it. If you're not setting budgets and you're not doing all those other things, which are admin related tasks, and it's easy to overspend. I think last year I spent $4,000 on coffee, basically, coffee and lunch, which is a tremendous amount. Wait, that was one cup of coffee? <laughs> but it was a yeah, really it was that super fancy coffee. cat poop coffee, right? Oh, there you go. <laughs> they, they threw in a free mug. Yeah. So this year I was active about how how I did it, loading you know loading up a Starbucks card specifically every month because I count that kind of as my office rent since I don't rent an office and mm-hmm. managed to cut it to like a thousand dollars, which is still expensive but way cheaper than renting an office. In fact, it would barely it would just barely cover a month of rental office out here. Yeah, I mean, I guess if, if we're looking for other cons, the the I, you know, working from home has many, many positive aspects. And truth be told, uh, as opposed to you guys, I tend to be out of the office a lot or tend to be out on clients' offices uh, uh, quite a bit, let's say at least two days a week. Uh, but there was a year when I did rent an office out of the house, and there was a very nice sense of separation. It was much easier to make that separation between home and work because when I left that office, then I was much, much, much less in the the work sense of things. Whereas now, when I'm at home... You know, any time could really be work time. It's me setting the boundaries. And I've heard that same. Uh, I have a few friends who used to have like an upstairs office or an attic office, and they built a garage and put an office on top of the garage instead. And so they literally walked between two buildings, right? And it's only, you know, 20 feet or something, but they still found that, that that separation between a building made a difference in how they felt. When they got home, they could just eat much more easily forget about it as opposed to thinking, oh, my office is just upstairs. It was, you know, a building away. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I I know that there are people who have said that and who have done that. And when I first started freelancing, I made sure to have, and this was when I was single, and I made sure to have a, a two-bedroom apartment 
or where one was my bedroom, one was the office, and I could close the door and be done with it at night. But I just don't think I'm disciplined enough. I mean, I think that's what it comes down to, not necessarily having that separation. Because if I had an office that was only a few feet away, even if I had to go to another building, I can easily imagine it would be like my current home office. All right. Well, going to go ahead and uh, head us into the picks. Eric, do you want to start us off? Sure. So I got one today. Uh, it's called Button Optimizer. Uh, it's basically a little uh, JavaScript application that you can select different colors, button text, icons, all that, and it makes a, a button. Um, you can either get a CSS button or a PNG button, and it's free, all that. So it's pretty neat, especially if you're, you know, making buttons for your application or if you're trying to do product stuff and need like a buy button or whatever. Nice. Reuven, what are your picks? So I've got a few picks for today. Nothing too serious. So first of all, uh, I recently got a copy of a new book, Ruby Under a Microscope, and I have just been super, super enjoying it. I managed to skip out of the programming languages class in college. And so I'm really enjoying sort of going through it and learning how Ruby works. Um, it's very detailed. And so I'm, I'm sure I'm only absorbing like 20, 30% of it. But even that 20 or 30% has been really fascinating. I've also been using Twitter quite a bit, uh, sort of with my dissertation and playing around with it. And so I just discovered in the last few days a few Twitter feeds where they send out useful technical tidbits. And my favorite of these is something called CL Magic for Unix command line magic. And if you thought you knew the Unix command line before, and I certainly did, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, I don't know who's running this thing, but they're pretty amazing. And on a lighter note, as if you can get lighter than Unix command line magic, uh, I heard about this from my wife. It's a YouTube series called Convos with My Two-Year-Old. And it's done by this guy who wrote down conversations he had with his two-year-old daughter, and he recreates them on YouTube Except that instead of his two-year-old daughter, it's a like 40-year-old unshaved man acting out those parts. And it's really quite hysterically funny, especially to anyone who has young children, as I, I know we all do. So uh, those are my picks for this week. Awesome. Curtis, what are your picks? I'm going to pick A Year Without Pants by Scott Birkin, which is about his time with Automatic, uh, which runs WordPress.com. And that was one of his things when he... When they were talking about working there, he said, I want to write a book about my experience. That's part of my contract. And they said, okay. And so it's in how Automatic does it and how the companies run and just kind of remote working in general. Nice. A friend of mine just got hired over at Automatic. He's a technical support kind of person. But anyway. Yeah, they make up their own titles. It's like happiness engineer or something, right? Yeah. Cool company. Jim, what are your picks? Uh, so... I'm sure I'm picking something that everybody's seen. Clients from hell.net, I think. But I've always seen, you know, stories that people post online, either in forums or sites like this. It, it basically is a site where people leave their stories about just ridiculous comments from clients. You know, like you make a red website and they ask you if you can make it a little more blue and then you add blue and they're like, why is the blue there? You know, some, some <laughs> pointless thing like that. You, you can't communicate with the client well. Anyway, so I, I used to look at that stuff and I haven't in a really long time. I came across it recently and they, uh, I just saw this, I haven't seen it yet. They have some freelancing guide or something like that. So I signed up to see if I could get it. But anyway, I started looking at it recently because I realized that there's a lot more going on there that is important in terms of how I communicate with my clients. So I'm looking at those stories and thinking, what would I do in a situation like this? Like, how did my communication break down so badly that 
I couldn't describe to a person that blue is not red or something like that, you know? So I'm starting to look at this stuff from a different perspective, like, how would I actually solve this problem? What would I say to this person? Anyway, rather than just, you know, reading it and enjoying and laughing to myself and what an idiot, you know, uh, those clients are so terrible. If it, you know, if it weren't for clients, freelancing would be great. So there's that. And then I don't know if anybody's ever picked this before, or even if I have, but lately I've been using Coffitivity. It's a website that you can go to and it just plays sounds of a coffee shop. And I think they link to some stuff on there, like studies that have shown that some ambient noise can help you, you know, be more productive. Uh, anyway, they had an app uh, that was free some time ago. Maybe it is still free um, that I just have on my computer now. So when I start work, I go to the coffee shop. I just turn that on. They have a couple different sounds and that I have found actually really does help me focus. Like I'll, I'll notice I'll get stuff done and I just kind of move through the day and not realize what time it is. So check them out. Awesome. All right. I've just got one pick and well, I guess it's two picks. What the heck? I'll even make it into three picks. Um, so I really like the show Shark Tank. I'm not sure if you, uh, you guys all watch it. Um, but basically the premise is, is there are five self-made entrepreneur, millionaire, billionaire people that invest in businesses and people come in and basically pitch their ideas to them. And some of the things that people come in with, you're just like, Oh my gosh. And some of the things they come in with it, they're, they're really cool. And then they just don't have a great presentation and. That's kind of fun to watch too. And some of them are just amazing and they come in and they sell it well and they get a deal. So I really, really enjoy the show. And so I'm going to pick the show. I don't remember if it's on ABC or whatever, um, but I'll put a link to it in the show notes. There's a podcast that I listen to called the Shark Tank Fan Podcast. Yeah, real creative name. Um, it's done by Pierce Mars and I forget the other guy's name. But uh, they talk about each episode of the show and they've interviewed several people that come in and have pitch to the sharks and the sharks are the investors. And so it's been really, really interesting to listen to them talk about some of the stuff. And Pierce is actually a sales coach. So uh, he usually has some uh, interesting insight into what they could have done differently in selling their company. And then the last one is the, the sharks. They had somebody write a book for them and it's uh, the shark tank jumpstart your business. And I got it for free on audible. And so I've been listening to that. And most of the stuff, if you've paid any attention to things like Lean Startup or, um, you know, you've been listening to or reading uh, books by people who have uh, started and run successful businesses, most of the stuff isn't going to be that groundbreaking. But there have been a few things that really have, you know, it's like, oh, I really should do that. And so I've been making a note of it in OmniFocus and trying to get that done. So anyway, I've been enjoying the book. Um, it's nice to have kind of a light overview of a lot of these business concepts. So I'm going to pick that book as well, and I'll put a link to it in Audible and in Amazon so that you can find it. And those are my picks. And I, I guess that gets us to the place where we are um, We are up at the show. We made it. Yeah. Ciao. <laughs> and you all made it with us. That's right. <laughs> Is there a badge for that? There should be. Darn it. All right. We'll catch y'all next week.